Studio S M L. Welcome to the Studio SML podcast. In this series of candid conversations, we talk to some of the most established architects and designers in Singapore about how they got to where they are today. Hear about their personal journeys and the highs and lows of running a design practice in Singapore. Enjoy the rest of this podcast. Max Tang draws inspiration from traditional Asian silhouettes that resonates in Paris, Middle East, and Scandinavia. How does he bridge the practicalities of a fashion brand while pushing forward ideas and concepts of a designer brand? An award-winning designer, Max prepares his next season for 2023 while crafting and making theater costumes for Singapore International Festival of the Arts 2022. And all this while teaching the next generation of design students hungry to make their mark in the fantastical world of fashion. Hi, welcome to Studio SML. We have with us today fashion designer Max Tan. Hi Max. You are a big person. Please share with us what you are currently busy with. I'm currently busy with um, the spring summer 2023 collection and it will be showcased on the Singapore International Festival of Arts 2022. So it's a 40 look collection and the sites that I'm also working on the costumes for various productions for Sifa this year. Right. Uh I understand for Sifa this year you are involved in more than one production? Yes, that's right. So I'm designing costumes for Merpan which is the opening show at the Pasir Panjang Power Station. It's um, a collaborative um show uh, with um between Singapore Chinese Orchestra and the two young initiatives from Sarawak. The next show I'm working on is Ceremonial Enactments which features my fashion show and it's also a triple bill together with Nadi Singapura and the Bashkas Arts Academy. And the third one that I'm working on is Ubin. I took that on really last minute and and The last one is the closing show um, for Theater Ikamatra which is a bangsawan gamalamala. Right. There's quite a lot of pressure, right? Because you have the opening and you have the closing and then you have the ceremonial enactment. Yes. I just ask like um how do you juggle and kind of compartmentalize between the three? I guess The the good thing is that I'm given the luxury of time. I started work way back uh in 2021 in about June June 2021. So there's a lot of creative discussions with the various groups and the various creative directors and all the creatives that are involved. But at the same time everything comes the making of the garments come together at the same time which is from December till all the way till now. and because of the sheer number of pieces that we are making um it has been really hectic but also really fulfilling at the same time i guess theater is really a creative avenue for me as a fashion designer where i get to do things that are not what i use what i'm familiar with doing or or comfortable with doing because you know with fashion and with the label there's there's a standard design code design code and and I guess I have more facets and facets to me and and I I, I can't I can't just um be happy doing just uh 
black and white and the monochromatic stuff that I'm known for. Yeah. Right. So I'm really thankful for, for, for the theatre industry and the theatre scene for giving me all these wonderful projects to work on. You won the best costume design last year as well for the Singapore um, International Arts Festival, OEWA. Yes, yes, I, I won the best yeah. costume um, designer design for OEWA. It's uh, a show by the Finger Players, and it's it was also under CIFA twenty twenty one. It was a Japanese inspired piece where I get to collage um, various elements, design elements such as uh, kabuki, our Southeast Asian sarongs and construction, deconstruction into this, this visually very rich um, costumes that you see on stage. So was that your first time you were involved with uh, theatre design works? No, I started way back in 2015. And oh. 2015 was, uh, my first show was with Hawaii Festival. It was under this production. It's called, um, it's a production under Toy Factory called Upstage. Um, there were three cars and it was basic, essentially it was three looks that were transformative and they could transform into 15 looks on stage and off stage. So yeah, I, I guess my theatre foray really started from there. Wow, okay. Uh, I did actually look through and watched the interview that was carried out for Oyiwa after um, coming across the, the works. And I'm sorry, this is a very layperson question. Do you design every single thing that is worn in the play itself or only for the key characters? I take care of every single thing. Yes. So from the dancers to the puppeteers that you don't see, the full blacks, um, I design everything because everything has to be thought through. For example, in for the case in the case of Oiwa, um, the puppeteers who are manipulating the human puppets who are standing in front of them, these these puppeteers needs to be dressed in full black and be shrouded with a veil. But if I were to just give them a black veil, uh, I don't think they'll be able to see anything. Right. And uh, we also have to take into consideration of the lighting whether whether that fabric is going to be too translucent on stage, if it's going to be more opaque, whether it will affect the puppeteer's performance, whether their visibility. So I guess um, there are a lot of things that are unseen mm. that a costume designer does as well. Wow, okay. That, that's really, really new to me because um, I, I was thinking, oh, maybe they just do the key characters and then everything else is, you guys sort it out yourself. <laughs> no, we have to take care of things right down to the shoes because, you know, the, the whole cast is barefooted and there's a lot of movements from the gliding to the sliding on the stage, whether there should be friction or, on, or, or trying to avoid friction. Um, we have to design and, and take care of those. Of course, some of these items are sourced, for example, socks and these anti-sleep socks, but but we do have to think about uh, the performance as a whole. Mm, okay. And so when you switch back to, can I call it retail fashion? When you switch back to retail fashion, how much of this actually begins to inform each other? Like, do you get very affected if after you've been working with a lot of uh, traditional costumes, then when you switch back to retail, what is that like? 
Well, I guess a part of what the brand stands for is you don't see much of the traditional or Southeast Asian dress codes that that is obvious in the garments outcomes. But if you look at inspiration, if I have the chance to speak to customers about the inspirations, you will see there's a lot of Southeast Asian influence that are that, that are in my, my fashion garments. For instance, in 2021, spring summer 2021, the whole collection was inspired by um, a Southeast Asian garment, very humble garment, which is the sarong. Without really making a sarong, we explored how the wrapping action of the sarong, how it drapes around the body. And we use that as a collection to inform the rest of the designs for the entire collection. So um, I would say that Although I'm inspired by tradition and, and this whole Nanyang style, it is I don't I don't take a linear and very literal approach to it. It's always more lateral. And and it's very interesting to see how without replicating traditional garments, I can use traditional and heritage inspirations to inspire modern designs. Right. I, I guess that's my interest. And I suppose that also extends in towards the materiality of the cloth and the fabric. Yes. Uh, well, the focus of the brand is well. It, it it then depends on the fabric. What are you? What are the qualities that you are you are, you are saying in the fabrics? Are you talking about prints or are you talking about motifs? I guess for me, uh, I don't. The label and my interest is really in the draping and and the construction of garments. I guess this is a burning question I always have. For example, if I, to, if I were to visit a museum and there's a showcase on Asian garments, for example, the sarong or the sari, it's always, or most of the time, it's always displayed as a flat piece of garment. Mm. I don't get to see how it's being worn. I, I don't get to observe how it's being held in place because there's literally not much construction to it. Therefore, I guess this is um, in, in my discipline and in my um, artistic approach. And I, I, I do want to explore how uh, cuts, how, what do I mean by what we, can we define a Nanyang cut? Can we define a Nanyang style of cutting clothes? Can we define a Nanyang style of constructing or constructing clothes in a minimal manner? And if I were to take inspiration, but that doesn't mean I don't take inspiration from motifs and patterns. Uh, for instance, if I were to look at a batik fabric, I don't just look at, oh, there's this print over here, but rather the batik is like, um, I wouldn't say cut out, but you know how it's waxed and I don't know what's the exact term mm. um, to, to use. Uh, but there's some form of subtraction in there. So, so I would use that and apply a subtraction cutting methods in, in the way I construct the garments. So it's never really looking at the element as it is and then loosely translating it as it is. Because then I think it's, uh, to me, it's a very souvenir kind of mm. designing method. It's like a Western garment, you put on a put on a batik print and then and you call it Asian inspired. To me, that's, that's very souvenir and a reduction of um, culture, and I don't think that's right. Okay, so that that is actually very flat, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's almost like saying, um, putting on a welcome to Singapore Malayan print on on a T-shirt, you know. I, I think that's that's how I see things, yeah. And and besides, besides the prints, there's nothing about the T-shirt that is inspired by this region that we come from. Okay. Yeah. You mentioned quite a bit just now about the cut and the fold and how it's draped. So what is the construction process for you? You know, um, are your garments made here or are they done somewhere else? What is that like? So for the studio process, um, I have a very small team and in, in my workshop, I, I tailor and drape the entire collection, all my collections by myself. Um, I do believe in that because I, I can't depend on someone to to translate uh, my vision. Because sometimes uh, the garments are, are draped around and, and most of the time, I think, Taylor's Outside takes a more controlled approach to things, whereas I, I don't like to be in so much control. So unfortunately, I have to do everything myself. And but thankfully, I have a very supportive team and it's a very collaborative process, actually. So as I'm drafting something, my 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 sewer will be with me. My, and my sewer is my assistant designer, right. actually. So as I'm drafting, we go into communications on how certain things should be finished, whether certain things should be drafted this way. So that that in, in my process, I I involve him. Um, and his in his process. In his sewing processes, he involves me as well. Take, for example, if there's a certain kind of finishing that we are looking at, I won't just give him like a textbook one-one answer. Oh, this is a piece of chiffon. Please finish it in this way. Rather, we take uh, maybe about two, two, three hours just to explore. Okay, let's use emotive words to explore um, finishing. How would an angry edge look like? Mm. How would a sad hem look like? And in these creative workshops, we throw all the rules from the textbook answers away and come up with rather emotive solutions to fabric finishings. Right. Is that unusual in the market that a designer is also a sewer? I, I'm not too sure. I guess um, in Singapore, there are few people who does that. And, and of course, there are, if we are talking about the scene as a whole, with regards to the whole world, I'm, I'm sure there are, and there are designers who, who, who do that. But of course, there are retail brands. Um, for me, I would like to make a distinction between a fashion brand and a designer brand. I think a fashion brand is something, is, is a brand that, that of course prides retail more than any other thing. Whereas a designer brand takes in a lot of more consideration for how the clothes are made and the processes involved. If you were to look at Yoji Yamamoto, I, I, he has a team of um, drafters and tailors, but he's a very accomplished tailor himself. And with in the case of Rei Kawakubo from Comme des Garçons, she, um, she has a team of pattern makers and she doesn't hire designers. Mm. So, so I guess each designer house has their own practice, but it's very clear for a fashion brand, the practices are more 
template like, oh, let's do research, let's do consumer research. What do the consumers want? Let's design according to that. And um, is this aligned to um, the brand's image? Um, how do we sell this? It's very business focused. Not to say that it's not important, but I think uh, in the grand scheme of, um, um, not grand scheme, but, but in comparison between a designer brand and a fashion brand, creative processes are, are lack, I, I feel uh, are lacking in fashion brands. Right. So you also teach in your alma mater, NAFA? Yes, that's right. I right. teach um, so, the final year um, pattern making, which is tailoring. So, so I help the students. Is this something you try to get students to see and understand the difference between fashion brand and designer brand and the in I suppose the, the different weight they carry. This is so interesting because for, for the students, they, they behave as though they are, they are only designer brands. And then you try to introduce the idea of a little bit of business and, 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 and business of fashion to them. Yeah. Which is reality actually, right? Yes, which is reality. So, so it's 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 very different, and the 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 priorities get switched around. Although I, it's I think I am a designer brand. Um, at the same time, while I while I teach the students the importance of um, creative and design processes and methodologies, I can't just neglect the business side of things. Yeah. So is this speaking from your own personal experience? Because then when you graduated, did you find it a surprise that, oh, it's, it's not just if I'm a designer, then, you know, that covers everything? Yeah, you're right. I think when I was, um, when I just graduated, or actually when I first started the label, it's a very steep learning curve for, for me in, in terms of um, making this label um, a sustainable business mm. but at the same time we don't have a fashion industry to speak of we have the 80s designers we have the 90s designers um, but i guess with each decade and generation comes its own set of problems and, and and new things to learn and to observe according to how the world is changing um, i'm very thankful for my mentors who have guided me along the way in, in, in a fundamental years but at the same time I think I can't just take their advices wholesale because because what was relevant back then isn't relevant to me um, when mm -hmm. I first started take for example someone told me uh, hey you know um, your things are too unapproachable why don't you start a diff diffusion line which I did and and I think it did very well but I guess at the same time it diff it took attention away from, from, from running the main core, um, main line. And, and that affected, I think that affected how I saw fashion differently. And, and I, I, I put a stop to the diffusion line, although it was doing relatively well. Yeah. Okay. So you have quite a lot of fingers in the Europe market as well. Do you feel that it is the Asian-ness of your designs that is appealing? 
or is it because you find it could be that your works are very transcendental, almost, you know, bridging between everything? I've never really thought about this, but I guess the way I design appeals to a certain group of women, whether um, regardless where they are geographically. So while my agent is based in Paris, I think my strongest market is actually uh, Middle East and the Scandinavian countries where um, it's just different. Yeah, say for, for my Middle Eastern markets, these are um, women who don't want to wear the bias, but they still want to be modestly covered up, um, adhering to religious dress codes. So this is this is where I see, I guess I'm, I'm very thankful that they see my garments as something that is as my garments as, as as objects that they can express themselves, but also adhere to um, and be respectful to their um, where they come from and all these other things in place. So, yeah. So it must have been a pleasant surprise. Right. I imagine when you design the garment, you don't design specifically for a nationality or a ethnic group. And so when you say that, oh, actually the maybe the same set of collection actually appeals to Scandinavia countries and you know Middle East as well. So does that then begin to affect again? your next season of clothes, do you find yourself beginning to tailor towards these customers or preferences? Well, I guess there's a reason why they're attracted to the clothes in the first place. I, While I don't tailor my... I don't design according 100% to their needs. For example, if buyer A says, oh, can you do something more resort? Well, I guess I would do a different kind of resort that, that can take you from work to the beach. But um, I guess my customers really do buy into and they have, they are very discerning customers who appreciate um, and look for the little details in, in my garments and how they are constructed. They find little surprises in them. I've got um, some customers who tell me that they feel really powerful when they wear my clothes even though when it's so drapery. So I, I guess in a way, my garments do make, I hope my garments do make people feel something. And I'm always very happy to hear that. I think it's also interesting because you talk about receiving feedback. What is that process? How do you get feedback when you are, let's say here, and your clothes are sold in just stores, right? How does this communication happen? I guess this communication really happens with through my agent. My agent does this uh, consolidated feedback on what is working, the business side of things, what is working, oh, the armholes are a little bit too loose this season, um, the skirt lengths are a little bit too short, well, can we have uh, more buttons on this? So these are the, 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 the feedback that, that I get uh, through my agent. But I also have direct conversations with my buyers who buys through my agent. And yeah, I, I guess it's in this time and age, it's always WhatsApp. They will take a photo screenshot. Mm. And, hey, I think this is working really well. Can 
can you think about designing along this line or, or can we have more of these silhouettes? Right. Um, this is really interesting. Can we extend this idea for next season? So going back to your previous question, yes, I don't tailor to the end consumer needs, but yes, I do take feedback when they are a little bit more generic or allow me or allow room for extension and, and to think about things. Okay. So is there another arm of fashion that you would like to be involved in now that I guess you can say you are quite a veteran when it comes to theatre and um, costume design? Is there something else that you think you can actually move towards? Well, I don't think I'm a veteran <laughs> yet, but because there's, there's always something to learn and with each production is different. I really do enjoy costume designing a lot and fashion, but at the same time, I don't think I have bandwidth to think about any other thing. But if there's something I want to do, I guess it probably won't be fashion. Yeah. Oh, I see. Interesting. So maybe that brings me to the other question, which is if you are not a fashion designer, what is another field that you're interested in? Mm, I'm really interested in cooking. Oh. Yeah. And, and I love um, animals. So it's probably social causes for animal rescues and all that that I'm, I'm really interested in doing. But I... At this moment, I think fashion is my priority and, and I really like the challenges that comes with it. it. It's a tough industry and I think a lot of fashion people who are in the industry will agree with me that it's it's a hard industry to stay in because there's just so many elements to balance and to work around with. We are always chasing timelines. Um, we are not allowed. There's very little creative space time for creative space and explorations, which is why I value creative processes so much. So what would be some word of caution that you will give to your students who want to embark into the fashion scene and start a business like exactly what you have done? What are some words of caution? Mm stay really receptive to um, criticisms and feedback. Um, take them all in, but at the same time, don't take them off it. Be very critical about who you are as a designer and the feedback that you've taken and, and, and decide whether that's even relevant for you or not. The fashion industry is not a one-man show. Be prepared to work in teams or to, work, to be able to work with different people. Stay very hungry, stay very hardworking. Because, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one to be in. I think when without passion. Stay very hungry. What does that translate into? Does it mean trying to get as much commissions as possible, joining as much competitions as possible? In the case of a young designer who is starting the business, I think when I say stay very hungry, it depends on what each person wants for me. I, I value creative growth. So I, I hunger for creative growth with every set of new challenges that presents itself, whether it's a collection or it's a new show. For 
maybe, for example, if if this this young designer wants to start a fashion brand instead of a designer brand, then I guess stay very hungry to make this brand a successful and a big and a well-known one. Mm, okay. Um, I have some fun questions. All right. They, they are kind of just trying to get to know you better. All right. So what will you search for? Will you search for answers or questions? I search for answers. Okay. And what do you prefer, dawn or dusk? Dusk. Okay. I think dusk is the, it's, it's a beautiful um, time to unwind and not think about things. And it's, it's, I go into this complain, contemplative state when, whenever dusk comes. Yeah. Okay. And if you have a choice of drink, would it be soya bean or chin chow? Soya bean. Okay. And if you could, would you wear a one piece or two piece? If I could, I would wear a one piece and that would only be a sarong. (laughs) (laughs) In Singapore, and I and I really do think that it's the sarong makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. What do you think is the most Underrated garment that we wear. The most underrated garment that we wear. Hmm. I've never thought about this. Oh. I think the most underrated garment that we wear would be a t-shirt. Yes, I guess I say a t-shirt because um, the t-shirt serves so takes us from takes us across, okay, a well-made and, and a, a relatively simple t-shirt will take us through many occasions. But yet, it's, it always plays the role of a supporting role rather than, mm. the, you know, when layered under a dress, it, it, it becomes like a, an inner, but it's never really quite um, celebrated because it doesn't allow for that. I mean, if it's a simple t-shirt, but um, if you look at it, it it's, it's a highly functional um, piece of garment to have ever come out from the West. Mm-mm-mm. Okay. And if you look at the components of a garment, which part is the most difficult to make or get right? The sit of a lapel on a jacket. It's very difficult to get right because uh, a, a commercial lapel does not, just does not fit as well because everybody's body shape is different. So, so that's that's always the most difficult to get right or close to right. Oh, okay. Very interesting. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today for this short chat. We wish you all the best and we look forward to the programs in the upcoming CIFA. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Studio SML podcast. To hear the stories of more Singaporean architects and designers, head to www.studiosml.net, where you can find out more about Studio SML as well as all our podcast episodes.